You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. We are delighted that you can join us this morning. A very warm welcome to you if you're here for the first time or if you're exploring Jesus. It really is great to have you with us. I thought it'd be helpful just to clear up a little something before I jump in. One of the many messages that I've received off some of you in this season um, have been around some of the books on my bookcase. Um, uh, It's causing even more of a stir than when I once wore shorts and one of the legs on my shorts was rolled up more than the other. And um, I just wanted to bring some clarity to some of the questions you're asking. Firstly, I've got a couple of bookcases in the room that I'm in currently. One I use all the time, and this one I don't actually use that much. They're not in a particular order. The kids often pull the, the books off the bookcase. Um, but the, the, some of the ones you've been asking questions about, the ones that you've really noticed, is firstly Divine Sex. I mean, of course you've noticed that one. The title of the book actually is slightly misleading to the, to the content, but honestly, brilliant book talks about uh, singleness, dating, marriage, pornography, all sorts of things. And it gives a really helpful perspective on having a compelling vision for Christian relationships in a hypersexualized world. And then this, the second one that you've noticed is The Bait of Satan. Again, it's a great book, really talking about some of the deceptive schemes that the enemy uses and snares that he uses to pull us away from the will of God. And one of those is offense. It's by being offended. And it talks about how Satan can really get a hook in your heart through that. Um, great book, well worth a read. Thought I'd clear that up. I dare say you'll notice other things now. But um, this last Wednesday marked a real milestone for uh, Steph and I. It's really etched on my mind that four years ago on the 31st of March, we moved with our eldest daughter to Manchester. This is a city we deeply love, one that has adopted us as its own We obviously now have Olivia, not that we forgot to bring her with us, but we've had her since we got her. She's a proper mank. She was born here. But this this dear church, this dear city means so much to us. We love you deeply. We love the journey that we're on together. We love what the Father has done and is doing among us. We love what he is forming among us. We love um, what, what he's really starting to cultivate in this time and this season, you know, and we love those of you that were with us from the beginning and those of you that have joined us just in the last few weeks. We love Jesus. We love his church and we love the cause that he calls us all to. And part of the heart of this church, we've said it a number of times, actually, it's written on our website. We've said this, we believe that an aspect of our role is to teach, train and equip a model family and how members of the family are supposed to participate and how healthy families function. Church is not just a place to attend, but it's a community to be part of. Like-minded people forming a family bond through friendship. We believe the church will be multi-generational and multicultural. And we also believe that we'll have a specific focus on reaching an emerging generation. We say all of that and we believe all of that. And we believe that our best days are still ahead. Therefore, all of that said, I just want to acknowledge this isn't what we choose. I'm sat here alone, looking at a camera, separated from all of you, and I want to acknowledge the challenge this is posing to many of you, such mixed emotions. I carry a deep pain for some of that for you. 
seeing increased anxiety levels, being coming frustrated in ways and times that you wouldn't have before. Some of you are processing such a sense of loss in so many ways in this time. Some of you are feeling frustrated with how others are behaving or have behaved, robbed of a sense of control or stability, children that now won't go back for the same school year, students who won't finish their exams or their exams have been moved, frustrations that, that, that what is a burden to someone else is nowhere near the feeling or the weight that you personally are carrying. You know, for some, this is just inconvenient. It's a, but it's also a time to get DIY done, to maybe wash and hoover the car and to catch up on a Netflix series. Such mixed emotions for all of us, all of us processing very differently. For some of you, one minute you feel filled with hope and a positive. You're sharing WhatsApp videos and chatting with neighbours and friends and then five minutes later you find yourself low, snappy, lost and lacking purpose or drive. Such mixed emotion. Some feel this is a remarkable God moment in history. Others feel this actually feels the furthest thing from that. I've heard one of you say just this last week that you feel thankful and heartbroken simultaneously. Such mixed emotions. Mixed emotions that each of us are processing this new reality. Mixed emotions even within ourselves. You know, I never knew that giving one of my neighbours a toilet roll would be the greatest way that I could serve him. Our street are playing online games together on WhatsApp. I've had many moments of interaction with them, some light-hearted and superficial, some much more meaningful and poignant. I've chatted a few times on the phone with a guy over the road who now I've come to know really well. I've come to know Pat and John who live around the corner from us, and we've been emailing each other quite regularly. I've had the chance to share the gospel with our postman. He's not actually our postman anymore because he's retired, but two years ago on a Sunday morning in Vineyard Kids, the kids team said to the kids, here's five pound, take it, buy something for somebody to show that you care for them and that you love them. And our daughter bought the postman a box of chocolates and we chased him down the road with it. And ever since he's become a really good friend, initially just chatting on the doorstep and then prolonged conversations and going to the football together, eating you know, going out, grabbing a bag of chips together. And then this last week, the opportunity to share the gospel, to share Jesus on a level that I'd never previously had the opportunity to do so with him. I know many similar moments for a number of you, opportunities like never before. Even many of you watching this now would never normally join in anything like this. But I'd encourage us to grab and seize the opportunity in this time. People will remember who was kind and who helped them in times like this. I'm excited for these moments and these opportunities because I believe that the life and the truth and the love of Jesus has power to transform us, healers, restorers, forgivers, freers, and hearts and minds are open to that living relationship with a loving God. I'm so excited for all that is happening and yet mixed emotions. I some, see some people gripped by and crippled by the isolation and the loss of freedom, the desperation and the depression and the demands of life that were so hard before, that now we've increased workloads and grueling schedules that have been worked through and faced. Mixed emotions. There's some of you mixed emotions that you would even be feeling a mixed emotion 
because you're aware that for others this is far worse, way harder, far more complex than multiplied when you look at other countries around the world and realize the hardship and the burden that they're carrying and facing. Mixed emotions and yet the reality is that your reality still feels uncomfortable and unsustainable. Well, today, this morning, I want to reflect on the ability for us to hold these mixed emotions in tension. Last week I said that we can trust that Jesus is enough. Not only trust that, but know that and see that lived out as a reality. So what does that mean? How does that look in a season like this for us to know that Jesus is enough? To do that, I want to spend some time just reflecting on how we process pain. How do we process pain? I hope this applies so much more widely than this season of the virus. But for us to come out of a season like this well and stronger, we need to look at some of the potential pressure points and look at how we need to work through various points of pain that are impacting us and how best to process them and to allow us not only to come out of this healthily, but to live in it healthily. Now, for those of you that have been around for a, you know, a few weeks or more, you'll know that I sometimes work incredibly hard to get points to line up beginning with the same letter. Well, you'll be pleased to know, or not, gently, that I've worked incredibly hard this week, and there's no exception, that I am pretty pleased with myself on this one. Each point is not in equal length, so don't panic. You're not going to miss lunch. You may have to miss the football. No, we're going to miss the football anyway, but let's not talk about that. But here's, here's what we're going to briefly reflect on and consider each point as we look at processing pain. There's purpose in pain, there's perspective in pain, there's perseverance in pain, praise in pain, and priorities in pain. Now, for those of you that are thinking, Paul, you really need to get out more. I Honestly, I agree, I do need to get out more, but I'm just following government guidelines and I can't. So before we, before we jump in, let me just read the passage to you, um, and I'm going to anchor it around some of this, and we'll draw out what we can. If you don't have a Bible, honestly, can I encourage you to get a Bible? If you can't afford a Bible, let us know. We'd love to buy you one. But um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then we can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed, crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. 
So the, the first of the five P's, purpose in pain. You know, at the beginning of the year, I was really ill. I was off work for seven weeks. Some of you will know this. I was in bed for, uh, bed bound really for three weeks. I had very little strength to even venture downstairs in our house. I could hardly speak a little more than a whisper just a few times a day. There were moments in that time where you start to feel robbed robbed of the, the start of the year that we hoped for, robbed of our hopes and dreams for the church, robbed of time with friends and family, robbed of time with Steph and the children, robbed of health, not knowing what the days ahead would look like. For a few weeks, my lack of energy robbed me of really being able to think, even being able to pray, let alone read the Bible, robbed of worship together. One of the things I missed most, and I mentioned this before, I miss not being able to worship with you. We're created to worship. And I felt bereft of not being able to do that together. Of course I could worship, but just not collectively. The passage I just read says this, God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Despite this being a complicated season of our lives, we can know the comfort of God. I could then and we can now. Pain can kind of do one or two things. It can either focus us or distract us. When I was, was ill, rather than trying to feel robbed, I sought to try and focus on the comfort of God. We have to actively steward our pain else it will rob us and it will distract us. Hebrews 13, 21 says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that pleases him. May he do that. Honestly, may he do that for you in this season. I pray that we're equipped to do his will. Nothing has changed in that sense. May he produce in us every good thing that is pleasing to him. You know, the word comfort is found 10 times just in this short passage. The incredible number of times that comfort and comforting show up in this brief passage is really in stark view. And it comes into stark view knowing that it's only really found 31 times in the New Testament. 25 of those times are in Paul's writing. 17 of those times are in 2 Corinthians. And 10 of those times in this short passage and in introduction. You know, a good parallel for the word comfort would be encouragement. How much do we need the encouragement and the comfort of God in a time like this? Let me just share four ways I think we are and we need to be comforted and encouraged, especially in the season that we're finding ourselves. Firstly, we're comforted by who God is. You know, I am. Nothing has changed. He is still on his throne. Secondly, we're comforted by what God says. I, I am. The narrative I'm reading sustains me because it's what I find in Jesus, find in the Bible and find through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not through watching the news or reading the news line uh, articles online. Thirdly, we're comforted by God working through others. I am. I'm continually comforted and encouraged by you, the church, by the kindness you show and by the response and sensitivity, despite the continual mix of emotions, often we're personally processing. You're remarkable people who have hope and truth and life, and you carry it into environments. The power of the presence of God in you 
brings an overflow of a supply of comfort and encouragement. And then fourthly, we're comforted by God as we comfort others. That's kind of how this thing works. The more we give it, the more we have to give because he keeps pouring it into us. As I said from that passage in Hebrews I read, may he equip you, may he equip you. This is his doing with all you need. This is his resources, not our resources for doing his will. May he producing you. You know, he produces it in us. We don't conjure it up. The Holy Spirit is the comforter and the encourager, and he gives us a deposit of that for ourselves and to give to others through the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the resurrection living in you and living through you so that we can do every good thing that pleases him. So what purpose can we get from pain? Verse 3, God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. Jesus is enough. The stability of the world, the things that people put their hope and trust in, have and are crumbling around them. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 4, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. You know, the pain in your life, the pains in your life, and the things that you've been through, when understood and directed appropriately, are remarkable sources of comfort and encouragement for others. The right word shared in the right moment could further the cause of God in their lives. And I would say in this particular time, doors are open. You know, we're launching Alpha Online to help people explore it. Steph mentioned it earlier, but do you, do you want to explore who Jesus is more? Would you love to have a conversation with another group of people on a similar journey? Or do you know people who might? We'd love to encourage you to join it or to invite others to join it. We have to be careful just because we've been through something, a challenge or a point of pain or a pain in our lives or an experience like that doesn't mean we've learned from it just because we've been through it or learned how to channel it in a kingdom way. That's why we need to learn from this season. Just because we're in it doesn't mean we're going to learn from it. But if we do, and if we are those people, we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we're able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. Verse 6, even when they're weighed down with troubles, it is, is, it is for your comfort. Even when we're weighed down, it's for our comfort. See, we can profoundly experience God in these times. Even when we're weighed down, we can know and experience God, his comfort and his encouragement. So we need to focus on him and if anything, chase after regular rhythms of him shaping us. You know, I've, I've been thinking about that myself. What are the regular rhythms? I need to fight for rhythms in my relationship with God. I'm not, I don't want to sing happy birthday washing my hands. I want to pray for people. I want to use that moment as just another time and moment. Pray for people. Use it as an opportunity. Find some of the new rhythms that we're finding. This season, if we allow it, could remarkably shape our spiritual disciplines. We can find and know the comfort of God and experience the reality of who he is and the fact that he alone is enough. There can be purpose in our pain. The second P is perspective in pain. Have you ever found that when you're ill, you can very quickly think that you always have been ill and always will be ill? I, I do that so often, so many times. I, when I'm ill, I just quite quickly lose perspective. 
I did a similar thing happened when I was in the fire service. I used to often find myself in environments where people would just moan a lot. They'd often listen to the unions or other voices and influences. And you, honestly, you'd think it was a horrendous place to work. Now, I'm not saying we should seek, we shouldn't seek, sorry, improvement or that there aren't injustices that sometimes need to be realigned. But honestly, it'd just go on and on and on and on. And at times, the way of thinking would lead to a very warped reality. Even things that were a concern were portrayed as something far worse than they really were. From a public funded point of view, we actually have one of the best fire services in the world, rivaled only by a few others like the Swiss. But I remember going in 2004 to Al Albania and seeing the pride those guys and that fire service had. But honestly, it was heartbreaking. They would turn up to a fire in a taxi because one of them as part of his other job was a taxi driver. They didn't really have anything, any gloves or anything. And they used to have this um, little old water tanker thing that had just painted on the back of it the number to phone the fire station. And the, um, the EU regulations at the time said that that region needed 13 fire engines. And that was basically all they had. And I came back to the UK and I couldn't understand all of the moaning. There was just no perspective. When we walk through pain or painful seasons, we do well to seek out perspective. Our mindset can really help us. If the lens we view everything through is downcast, it will not help us be the measured people that we're called to be. Over the last few weeks where I found some restrictions placed on my normal daily freedoms and processing the losses of things that I'd hoped for, or was looking forward to that are now going to be delayed, postponed, or actually have just completely evaporated. I've sought to hold on to perspective. Whilst of course it's right and it's healthy and it's necessary that we process things and we grieve and we're allowed to do that in the best way we can. We're the best place to process pain is holding on to the perspective that is right and honouring to God. Because Perspective can move us away from self-pity and it moves us and leads us towards compassion. It leads us towards loving and serving and preferring others and seeking to, make, to meet their needs. You know, the more vulnerable and isolated in our church community, the desperately heartbreaking needs that we see in a time like this in the city. And then I found myself just crying out to God, deeply moved and impacted by some of the needs I'm seeing in the world, further, the wider world, around us that you become aware of. You know, I might be locked in a house, but I'm grateful for a house. I might be changing our pattern and rhythm of, of being able to buy food, but I'm grateful I can buy food and I'm grateful to have money to buy it in the first place. Do you see, do you see what I mean? Because perspective can move us from self-pity to compassion. It draws us into a healthy place. When we look beyond the, the immediate, regardless of all that's happening, in the moment. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, for this world is not our permanent home. We're not looking, sorry, we are, lo we are looking forward to a home yet to come. This is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a world yet to come. The perspective is, this isn't it. My hope isn't based on the things of this world, being able to go to the cinema or go on holiday, go to the supermarket, go to the shopping centre. My hope isn't found or based in a job. My hope isn't based or found in my health. And I don't say that flippantly. 
I know some of you are, are in deep sense of pain with some of that and are currently missing and feeling the loss and the impact of some of those things. But our hope isn't in any of this. Our hope is in Jesus and he is enough. And in him, our hope is secure and it's steadfast. We want to be people that hold on to perspective in pain. Okay, the third one, perseverance in pain. Sorry, I kind of feel like I've saved up all of my fire service uh, analogies just for one week, but here's another one. I remember when I did my basic training, we did four years on the job training, prior to that 18 weeks intensive training. And at the end of that, um, 18 weeks training we did two weeks breathing apparatus training which was even more intense but the 18 weeks was oh goodness me the 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 kind of intensity and the pressure of it in the morning in the classroom in the afternoon on the uh, drill yard if you didn't pass at the end of each week if you didn't get over 85 percent of the required standard they kind of released you and that was the end of it but the, the two weeks doing the breathing apparatus training was just another level I was up at five 30 every morning, revising till late at night, then it was grueling physically and in the class, classroom. Physically, I'll spare you some of the details, as I know some of you don't find all of that, that helpful to know about, but we often did hot fire training. And uh, really, the, the purpose of it was to, to help train you and equip you and know how to do it, but also so that you understood the limits of your kit and your own capabilities. And on one particular day we did that, they, they got the room up to um, about 280, 300 degrees. So it is like you are cooking and you can feel parts of your fire kit starting to struggle. You, it's, you're way beyond anything that's comfortable. Anyway, we're carrying around two 20 kilogram barrels of foam each, moving them around, shifting them around upstairs, downstairs. Through. You can't see anything. You don't fully know exactly where you're going. And we're just doing it almost for the sake of it. Um, to try and test our physical resolve, but also to test the equipment. Now, regardless of working in heat, that would push us to the limit of what you're capable of physically. I've got photos of some of me and my mates afterwards for about three quarters of an hour. We're just lying on the floor with our arms and ankles in buckets of cold water, trying to cool down and just drinking Gatorade. And uh, to my recollection, I don't think I've ever done anything so physically demanding in my life other than that that was best part of 20 years ago now but we train hard so that when it comes to the real thing you're aware of your ability you're aware of the capabilities of your kit and it doesn't actually then seem as grueling because you see what i'm trying to say really is we can learn a lot through times of pain times of testing and times of trial they can become a benchmark that you look back to and things going forward don't feel as difficult. We can learn a lot when things seem a burden or a wearisome. Times like this that we're in now, if we allow it, they can teach us resilience if we choose to be resilient. Verse 6 says in the passage in Corinthians, for when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same thing we suffer. See, we can find patience in this time, a steadying in this time. We can find and know the comfort and the encouragement of God in this time. In fact, actually potentially more so because other things are stripped back and we're only left with Jesus if we choose that. Verse 8 says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed. 
and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Verse 9, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Crushed and overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. You know, I know some of you don't feel that way, but actually I know some of you, this is an incredibly difficult time. You're facing very real physical and emotional challenges. Some of you are feeling a real emotional pain that is leading and throwing up a spiritual pain. And I don't take that lightly, but I want to say keep going. Can I encourage you to keep going? Not because I think it's a good idea, although actually I do, but because God is your comfort and your encouragement in this time. Verse 9, as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. Would it be part of our learning in this season, part, I pray, of the world's learning, that we start to rely only on God? Through these times with that mindset, perseverance produces growth. Our goal is to be conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus in greater measure than through, well, through every season that we endure. And understanding that helps us face times of uncertainty. If I look back in my life and my embracing of pain at times and painful seasons in life has produced some of the greatest advances in spiritual maturity. For me personally, I say no reason why that shouldn't happen for all of us now. My faith in God and his word isn't wavering. Instead, we can face the toughest of times firmly rooted in his eternal purposes and plans. Adversity is often a powerful means of maturing us and developing us. Fourth P, praise in pain. James 1 verse 2 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, when it comes your way, not if, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Would we consider this moment an opportunity for great joy? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let's just chuck in a few more peas. You know, we don't have to pretend. But the point is that it's possible to profit in these times. See what I did there? I know, I need to get out more. But anyway, we can find joy because we can find it in Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy runs far deeper, far greater impact than happiness. We find joy as we seek to process our pain healthily. Let me give you an example. I know for a number of you, being isolated in this way is deeply costing you. I'm not trying to underestimate that. If you live alone, some of you I know are struggling. This is really difficult. For some of you that don't live alone, there have been moments where you wish you did. Now, I'm actually not trying to joke about that. I'm just trying to acknowledge that that's a momentary reality for some of you. This is a hard time. I've often, in this time of lockdown, reflected on Paul and his time in prison and his time under house arrest. He used the time productively. He wrote many letters to the churches in that time and that season of confinement. You know, a dear lady I used to know in her 90s, many years ago now, she used to write to me once a week just to encourage me. I was going for a challenging season at work and every week she'd just write to me to encourage me. In fact, someone writes to Steph and I, Steph and I now, an email, 
virtually every week since the wheat we planted, just to encourage us, just to spur us on and cheer us on. What can you do in this time to bring encouragement and comfort to others? I'm not restricted in so many ways. Honestly, I'm not. What, what, can, what can you do now? What can you read? How can you invest in reading the Bible in a year or journaling or in, in worshipping? Worship was never a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle. We can set aside time now to worship God, to take the Lord's Supper in our own homes, to prioritise his pain and pray, praise realigns pain. Honestly, that's important. Praise realigns pain. Philippians 4 verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It says to thank him, to praise him. Then God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds. That's so important to remember. He's talking about your emotions and your intellect. Both need guarding. Many of us, I think, at times we just guard one or the other. And then we live in a time of increased tension or uncertainty. But it says, guard both. And actually, verse 8 tells us how. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honourable, what is right and what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let, let, me, let me tell you, I, honestly, Jesus is enough. He alone is worthy of our praise. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It's Jesus. He is enough, and it is him and him alone that will bring stability, comfort, reassurance, and be the person and place in which we can and should cast our anxieties onto. That leads me to the final P, priorities in pain. Our priority is pointing ourselves to the person of Jesus. Priority is pointing to the person of Jesus. I know, I know, I need to get out more, but I enjoyed getting as many Ps in as I could. But 1 Corinthians 3, the passage we've looked at, verse 9 and 10, says, But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. We've placed our confidence in him. Let this be a time and a season when we ensure that we have and we do. We want to place our confidence in the person of Jesus. Everything has been stripped back. So many idols and securities. I see it in society. They've just been stripped back. They've been leveled. You know, I, I'd love to worship with you all. Now I can't, but we, I can still worship. Of course I can still worship Jesus. I'd just love to worship corporately with you. But we never worship worship. We worship Jesus. And we can use this time as these things are stripped back just to realign and ensure that's our heart and our priority. So many of us I know find comfort in sharing burdens and challenges with each other, and that's no bad thing. But ultimately, we need Jesus. When people tell me stuff, I often say, I hear you. And I'm not dismissing it in any way. But I want to say, have you told Jesus? First and foremost, have you told Jesus about it? You know, I, I believe in this time we've been leveled. And whilst there's pain in that, and I'm not dismissing that, if we draw closer to Jesus in this time, we will process pain well. 
dwelling on the things that are true and pure and lovely is to make a conscious choice of letting go of anxiety and what we might feel and focus on the eternal truths. A number of truths that, that concentrate on God's utter devotion to us. As we do that, that's going to put to rest the cycle of negative emotions and thoughts that can plague us during times of uncertainty. Our faith can flourish in these times. Now, I'm not saying if you don't always feel that, that you've got it wrong. I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm trying to cheer us on to the fullness of what could be. You know, if the greatness of faith was based on never having painful or frightening experiences or doubtful thoughts, then the list of people in Hebrews 11 couldn't be viewed as people who exercised faith, which they were. They were, and we can be, because Jesus is enough. And he responds to our sincere fears, concerns, and doubts. Our relationship with Jesus can advance greatly in these times. In the desert, that's the place that the, the stars shine brighter, because there's no obstructions, no distractions, and there's no other competing light. The focus of our intention, sorry, the focus of our attention need not be on circumstances, whether they're pleasing or unpleasing in what they produce, but rather on God in whom we trust and in whom we know has full control. We've placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. That's what the passage says. Jesus is enough. Whether you feel like you're thriving or barely surviving, I pray that you would know that in this time that we place and are people that place our confidence in him. Let's just spend some time resting in the presence of the Holy Spirit. for listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description